0: Century number 10 for Brendan Taylor. it oh, has got the Australian captain, we're talking about Rivada, we're talking about how good he is. And there it is, his 39th one day International 100, the King gets his crown at the Adelaide Oval. Gone, taken, deep mid-wigan, Glenn Maxwell celebrates, he cannot believe it in the middle of the ground.
1: Welcome to the D-Net Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis.
0: Hello and a very warm welcome to the podcast Dean at Stumps with me Dean Duplessis although you already heard the gentleman allude to that at the uh, intro. We're doing something slightly different today sitting outside and enjoying the winter sun here in Harare but uh, it's uh, also probably going to be known as the Double D Show because with me is Darlington Matamanadzo, a man who's been very involved in the ongoing series as, as a commentator between Zimbabwe and Afghanistan. Of course, a man who played a lot of first-class cricket, a lot of club cricket from the 1990s. Well, he's actually still in uh, in his mid-40s, late-40s, and still playing a bit of club cricket, aren't you, Darlington?
1: Uh, yes, I am. I'm playing for Royal Cricket Club in the Michelin's Fine Cup. Okay. First League. We've had a real struggle this season, but there's some real talent, and I'm excited to be there.
0: Now, I have to share something with you guys listening in uh, myself and Darlington actually did this whole recording on a previous occasion and the microphone was not working so we're just making very sure this mic is working is it it is on it is on yes and that's,
1: uh, yeah, no, but it, I always like uh, our discussions about uh, talks about cricket so it wasn't entirely a wasted day it
0: wasn't a wasted day no luckily we love the game and, and, and so much that uh, oh well it was just a little something that was sent to test us all right so the one day international series done and dusted three 3-0 to Afghanistan, I think it's fair to say we kind of expected that.
1: Oh yes, um, I think uh, we've seen Afghanistan have beaten better teams in Zimbabwe in this um, format across uh, this uh, World Cup Qualifier Super League. So, um, yeah, and they've, they've, they've seemed to have gotten a couple of things that they didn't have right before. Uh, right, in that they've got three really interesting quicks. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, to complement the, the spinners Nabi, um, Mujib and uh, Rashid, Rashid Khan. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that is a key thing that they've done well and I think they batted out-batted Zimbabwe throughout the series. It's almost as if they they're playing in home conditions and not the Zimbabweans.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's a very fair point you make and I especially want to touch on the batting because you know even as, as short as five years ago um, Afghanistan were known as a side who really didn't hold back with their batting. You know, they'd go out there and just play shots. Now, what we're beginning to see is a great deal of structure to the way that they go about their innings. For example, that second One Day International, Zimbabwe making 228, Afghanistan would have tried to have knocked those runs down in as few overs as possible and lose wickets along the way. So they still very comfortably reached the target, which obviously clinched the series for them. But I guess the point I'm making is. There's a lot more structure. You've got Ramat Shah, who's got a very good cricketing head on his shoulders. And then you've got uh, Zadran, who actually played quite responsibly for that innings of 121. So, you know, it's not just that uh, the, the, the very aggressive approach, which often got them into trouble. Even in the 2019 World Cup, there's a lot of maturity that is set into their batting, it, it seems.
1: No, absolutely. I think they've, uh, they've really decided that they want to do well. I think that's the, 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 the thing that I've seen. Um, and I think it was, uh, a, cricket is about passion and about enjoyment, right? But still, you've got to often sacrifice the really expressive cricket to actually achieve these goals of doing doing, very, doing very, very well. And I think that's the, the balance that I've seen Afghanistan make from the last time I saw them uh, about two or three years ago, um, to seeing them now, much, much different side, much improved side. And I think they could beat uh, a lot of the bigger teams uh, um, consistently going forward.
0: Mm. I do still feel that they were a little bit vulnerable. Do you remember in that third one-day international Zimbabwe, disappointing in that 135, but goodness me, that spell of bowling, my blessing, was I, I, I Honestly, y- if you were to ask me which is the best spell of fast bowling by Zimbabwe that you've seen at Harare Sports Club, naturally everybody would say, oh, well, it was Edo Brandis 5 for 28 when he got the hat-trick. But there's a very big difference, isn't there? Because Brandis had support in Streak, Strang, spinner Guy Whittle, who was more than useful, whereas um, Blessing Muzarabani, well, Tendachatara bowled well, but there was nobody else to really, really back that up. And, and I just still felt that Afghanistan were a little unsettled when Blessing got his rhythm right, and when he was bowling at back of a length, and then suddenly pitching it up. I understand that the pitch did help quite a bit, but you still need to, regardless of the pitch, you still need to do the, the basics right.
1: Oh, well, I'll tell you something that I've seen, uh, I agree that that was one of the best spells of bowling I've seen at Hari Sports Club, but it's something also that is, uh, I saw Blessing Zarabani uh, earlier this, uh, sorry it was last year, last year, in the series against Pakistan and then Bangladesh, um, and then he mm. went off to the IPL, um, and I think he was a cover for some, whatever, like an extra bowler there, mm. and he's changed something since that, uh, in, that, in that time frame. And I think he's coming a lot closer to the stumps, and he's looking to take the ball away from right-handers, whereas in the past he bowled from quite wide on the wicket, on the the crease, and looked to angle mostly into the right-handers. And that's a very, very big difference because I think now he's uh, pitching 90% of his deliveries in what I'd call the danger area, in the corridor around off stump. Some people call it the CBD area. (laughs) That's absolutely the business end of of bowling and cricket, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And that is uh, a really, really important, I think, development for him personally. Um, And uh, I think it's really, really good for Zimbabwe cricket in the future that, like, Blessing Zarabani had a really good series against Pakistan, against Bangladesh, but he still believes that there's areas of his cricket that he can improve.
0: And, of course, uh, he also went to the Pakistan Super League and then he went to the IPL. Didn't get a game in the IPL, but I think one very, very big important contributing factor to the way that Blessing Muzarabani has gone about the change of his bowling, is thanks to another Zimbabwean, and uh, arguably, no, not arguably, definitely Zimbabwe's best Test batsman, Andy Flower, who was the coach of the Multan Sultans for in the in the PSL, and also the franchise, who I'm afraid name utterly escapes me, that uh, at the IPL, where Blessing Muzarabani was playing, I'm sure it'll, the name will come to me very, the Lucknow Super Giants, Super Giants. Uh, anyway. That's uh, Andy Flower's contributing factor. Just tell us a bit more about that, Darlington.
1: So, like, so for me, it, it, it kind of makes sense that uh, if anybody's going to get, like, because Blessings Out of Money was a successful cricketer already. And to make those changes mid career, you need somebody who has a real, I suppose, uh, gravitas is the only word I can think of. Um, somebody whose um, credentials are beyond question. To actually say, suggest that you know what, if you got closer to the stumps and took the ball away, you're actually going to get even more success than you've gotten now. And I think that's what's happened: is that uh, Andy Flower, uh, the coaching and all the coaching staff underneath him, have convinced Blessing that this is probably the best way to go, and then uh, worked with him to make those improvements.
0: I think it. It also though, because do you remember when Blessing had that stint with Northamptonshire um, as a coal pack player? in 2018, and then he came back and and, uh, started playing for Zimbabwe when Kolpak was was, uh, taken care of and when that fell by the wayside. Did we already see any changes in his bowling then?
1: I think what they went and did, his action was a little mixed when he went out to Northamptonshire, um, in the sense that uh, he was open. I think the bottom half of his uh, bowling action was open and then the top half was closed. Uh, when he was looking over his left shoulder when he bowled and then when he went out there i think they've straightened it out so he's a, a um what's what i'd call semi-open where he's not a hundred percent open but then he's uh what you've got is he, you've got his shoulders hips and, a, and uh, feet are lined lining up better when he's as he's bowling and i think that's the change that we saw it from during his stints uh before he went to north and and when he uh, and uh after after kolpak
0: ended and and what then has Andy Flower? He's done a few more tweaks. Is it because to me, I'm, I'm all right. I'm going strictly now from a stump mic perspective, listening to him running in and bowling. Mm. So I may be totally wrong, but it sounds like he's also getting slightly closer to the stumps as well.
1: That's right. Um, like he so like he used to bowl around about maybe two and a half feet away from the stumps. Um, well, now you find that he's uh, bowling from a foot inside a foot. Right. Um, so he's much much closer to the stumps. And then the other thing, as I said, is his uh, his natural delivery. I think is the one that shapes into right-handers, the in swinger. Um, and I saw him bowling more of the out swinger, uh, and actually getting trying, looking to pitch it on the line of off stump or just outside and get that ball to shape away.
0: Yeah, because I mean, Craig Irvin was having a bit of a picnic in the slips in that third and final game, taking catches practically at will. As soon as Blessing was he pitched the ball up.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, I think it's a really, really positive sign. Um, I think the most successful bowler at Harare Sports Club, by far, must be Heath Streak. Yeah. Okay. If we, I'm just talking statistically. Um, and then uh, he bowled predominantly outswingers. The other really successful bowler for Zimbabwe at Harare Sports Club was Endo Brandes, who predominantly bowled outswingers. And I think it's, uh, and, and also Edo got quite close to the stumps. And so I think those are the, 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 the things that uh, Andy Flower, probably reasoning that uh, Blessing are is going to play, sort of like maybe. Fifty or sixty percent of his international cricket at harry Sports Club. It's probably a very, very good uh, strategy for him to learn, use, and then improve on as he, as he, as he, as he makes it his own.
0: Uh, that is a fascinating statistic you've just brought up, streak and brandis. You're absolutely right. Now, do you, of course, this is just a more of a rhetorical question because you would have no idea. But do you think that would have been in the back of Andy Flower's mind?
1: Um, well,
0: I, as I said, like. Um,
1: Probably. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know, like this is again, this is me, I, I'm making <laughs> guesses about this. But like, because the thing is, as I said, I was, I've, I've, saw, I've seen the changes. Uh, with Blessing Mzarabani a year ago and now look like two very different bowlers. I mean, the, the basic fo- shape the, the, of, his, of his bowling action is the same. Uh, but what he's done now, he's gotten closer to the wickets. Yeah. And uh, it's something that uh, I, th- I, you know, like if you look at, uh, let me try and think about 800 test wickets. Um, Richard Hadley, yes. um, Ian Botham, okay. Outswingers from close to the stumps, that's 800 test wickets. Uh, Malcolm Marshall, didn't get as close to the, to, to the stumps but was closer than Blessing Mzarbani was and bowled mostly uh, outswingers. outswingers. Again, so now you've got over a uh, thousand test wickets in Del just Stain. those three names. Dale Steyn, yeah. now you've got a thousand five hundred test wickets. And, the, and and this is like a model that, that has been proven, it's is, is, is basically proven, we know it works.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I want you to. I just want to pursue this Andy Flower thing a little bit. Just bang on a bit about that, if that's all right with you, because you had the privilege of playing quite a bit of first-class cricket with Andy Flower, and I want you to take me back to a story that w- you did tell in our previous flop recording, but uh, luckily now you will be able to tell us, and and that was well. You tell it. You were sitting in the dressing room, and what transpired?
1: Uh, let me explain. Let me let me start from the beginning. Right. Okay. So what happens is I uh, Stephen James wrote a book called the plan about england's ashes victories under duncan fletcher and under andy flower
0: okay so just to interrupt you stephen james is a former he was a very very well established batsman in uh, in england played a lot of first class cricket played i think one or two test matches Um, but he also spent a lot of time in zimbabwe where he played here for in the logan cup he played for what was then known as Mashonaland, now the eagles and he also played for universals which is uh, a club side that that was here in Zimbabwe.
1: Right, so he wrote this book and I read, I read the plan and uh, in the plan, I, I'm just going to read you an excerpt from Please. the book. Yes. Okay. And so it talks about Andy Flower um, and he says he began by taking a piece of paper and in the center of it marking a huge number one. Around the number one he made notes of various things he felt he needed to do in order to reach that goal. Whether they were mental improvements, technical adjustments or even things to change his social habits. The piece of paper was always with him, whether he was at home, in his hotel room, on tour, with only his closest friends having any knowledge of it. He kept adding notes as time moved on. Okay. Right. So essentially what this, uh, the, what this thing, this is the excerpt from the plan, the book, but essentially what Andy Flower had gone and done is decided he was going to be the world's best test batter. All right, and then he created this little—it was a post-it, or about the size of a post-it note—and he uh, kept it with him and took it in, with him everywhere. And he kept reminding himself what he needed to do to be the world's best batter. Okay, and the interesting story about this is that I played a game against him. I can't remember—it's about 2003, 2002, 2003. Played a game with him for Michelinland Eagles. Now, what's now called Michelinland Eagles against the Midwest Rhinos, and uh, we were in the change room. And uh, he, I saw this uh, little post-it note above where he was sitting in the change room. And I didn't actually think to ask him what it all meant. Okay. And it, it's only as, uh, like sort of like 20 years later, I read uh, Steve James's book, The Plan. And I make the connection that, oh, okay, that post-it note was the one that, uh, um, uh, that's what Steve James was talking about
0: absolutely amazing and I mean I would imagine that James and Flower would have played yeah, with each other as well in, in like in the 1990s when Steve James used to come out here and and play his cricket in the, in the English winter
1: uh, yeah I, 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 I imagine they probably did and I understand that they were quite good friends uh, you know what I mean because I, I used to see them uh, I was a much junior cricketer so I didn't socialize with them but I did see them a lot together a lot quite often
0: One one thing uh, that Steve James also refers to in the plan as well is also how Andy then kind of made it about himself. So he he underwent a change. So he came back as a second stint uh, as captain in 1999 after Alistair Campbell was either relieved of the captaincy or resigned from the captaincy. And Andy Flower was blamed for a a bunch of uh, stuff that happened in England in terms of, of... payments and money and things that do happen and Andy Flower was, was blamed according to Steve James in the plan by Peter Chingoko that is correct?
1: That's, that's, that's actually right yeah.
0: Yeah. So then Andy decided right, um, you know what, because that was, well I mean, he wouldn't even talk to anybody about it, I know when I tried to approach him he would just say, not today Dean and um, he then decided to say, well you know what, if this is the way I'm going to be treated, for nothing, I, I never did anything of that nature, I never I never wanted to cause alarm and despondency, and yet you people fire me, sack me as captain. You put Heath Streak, who was never really a captain, in place um, just because of of things that happened and and that I did not feel responsible. I wasn't responsible for doing that. Now it's going to be about myself, and that, I would imagine, is that that little piece of paper that he had that, that I suppose really kicked in. Uh, probably, like as I said, because I,
1: I never had the nerve, worked up the nerve to ask him what it all meant. Um, I was a little more comfortable with Grant, and if, if yeah. Grant had been in that change room, I probably would have asked him, well, what does that mean? And he would have directed me to Andy, but I just, uh, literally about uh, five or six months ago is when I read the plan. And uh, that's when I was like, oh, wow, that I remember that. I remember something in the change room that suggested that that, that that's that's actually
0: real. Remarkable, mm. absolutely remarkable. Mm. And, and so I, I, I would like to look at some of the current crop of players and I see that we have some incredibly talented players but who have the ability to self-destruct in, in manners, in the way that they that they get out, perhaps also maybe the manner in which they conduct themselves away from cricket in the off-season. Now, does this all boiled down to okay so a lot of it obviously is discipline but explain to me is there a part of mental health that also can become a problem or a factor in the way that for example a wesley madavere who is incredibly talented and how he continuously gets out very cheaply looking good but still gets out very cheaply and, and you know, can that become a contributing factor? And is there a way that we can look after these players to ensure that we don't have another situation where we lost Friday Castini, who was a very talented left-handed batter. And I, and I believe a lot of Friday's issues were, were mental health issues, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think it's something that's really got to get looked at. Because uh, I think that a lot of, because uh, you see, cricket is unlike, unlike football. Cricket, football is like maybe 90 minutes you're on, the, on the field, right? Yeah. Um, and then there aren't often many breaks between action. Right. Okay. But cricket is designed in such a way that you have these continuous break between action. And the problem with continuous breaks between action is that you have a, a, a moment in which these negative thoughts can actually come into your mind and linger and sit. All right. And then if you don't have a process for removing those negative thoughts, like say, between, I'm talking like say between deliveries, right? Yes. If you don't have a, 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 a worked out, haven't worked out a process for these negative thoughts to remove these negative thoughts and replace, place them with, um, what is your optimal performance state? Okay. You often find that, uh, my own experience is that before I got out, before I played a bad shot to get myself out, there was often a, th- a, straight, a train of thoughts that came into my mind that I allowed to let and sit, okay? Um, and much, much later in my life, I realized that uh, actually there's processes that are available for me to become aware of those negative train of thoughts and replace them with something that's um, actually productive and and and, and positive. Um, and it's something that you've... Uh, you, I actually... I had to learn. It's not something that I w- was innate or was natural for me, um, and I think a lot of cricketers probably have the same problem. Is that uh, there is the mental state that is um, best for your own uh, peak performance, and to get there is actually not natural. It's something you've got to learn, and and practice, and 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 then uh, apply consistently if you want to play at your best at the top level.
0: Now how. Zimbabwe has got a strange culture because we often just get told to get over it, take it on the chin, you know. Or there are ways of dealing with it as well, which may be not, which may not be so savory. A lot of drinking and socializing and things like that, you know. Is is there still a way, despite the fact that, let's be honest, Zimbabwe is battered and bruised in, in so many areas as a country? But is there still a way that these structures that you speak of can be implemented?
1: Well, like, uh, I remember, I think his name, I need to remember his name. Uh, I remember when they, we had a cricket academy here? Yeah? Yes. They had a psychologist uh, who worked with the the crops of uh, um, students who went through that and basically created them, helped them create basic frameworks for working out their own mental issues, okay? Um, and remember, like, with mental issues, I'm not saying... Um, it's only things like depression or difficulty or whatever. It's also about, because failing to perform at P consistently uh, is, a, is a mental problem for me. Okay. Um, and so, they're, 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 you know, so you can actually create structures. We've seen them before in Zimbabwe cricket. Um, and there's, there's been quite a lot of um, writing. That is available if you want to find it you 've got to look for it on the internet and other places. Some of it is of dubious quality so you 've got to be careful but there is quite a lot of work out there about uh, uh, mental toughness, uh, mental preparation drills um, and and for me uh, I, I, what worked for me is meditation okay and then but for a lot of people don 't like the concept of meditation because meditation has spiritual uh, connotations for some people that are. Um, you know, a, running a counter to what is perhaps their own Christian ethic or whatever it is. But for me, I, you know, I, I, when I started meditating, I found that I had the, that I could get into that zone, that point of of concentration yeah. and ease and relaxation that allowed me to play at my best a lot more consistently and a lot more easily.
0: And how did you find a way back from the brink of the abyss, if I can put it to you that way? Because you, unfortunately, also went through a torrid time in terms of abuse in terms of what alcohol and I'm not too sure what else and you found a way back now mm. how, how did that happen for you
1: uh, for me I, I it was church actually um, so I'm a member of a church called the First Church of Christ scientists Zimbabwe and um, there's a lady a uh, good friend of mine now called Ruth Gina, uh who's a pastor uh, out in Hatfield and she met. me met a couple of times and she Uh, We had conversations about spirituality, about life, and just stuff in general. And she invited me to her church services a uh, a few times. And um, church services, unfortunately, are usually very early on Sunday mornings. And so, like, a guy who drinks does not want to be up at uh, 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. So I missed a lot of those church services. And so what she then did is she sent a friend of hers, a guy called Mark Rubel, who came and had a conversation with me about... uh, Christ, about God, and about man and God, uh, the relationships between man and God. And for me that was the first time that I actually uh, found a God that I felt and understood in that conversation. Um, And um, I didn't stop drinking immediately, you know, like I never ever, like I'm going to be three years in August that I haven't been drinking alcohol, but I didn't stop drinking immediately. I just found myself drift a couple of days without having a drink, then uh, drift a week, and before you know it, I've gone a month. And it was never ever like my intention because I liked, I used to believe I liked the company, the conversation, it was fun, it was good, and you know. Um, and then I just sort of woke up one Christmas, I think it was, the second Christmas that I'd been sober. Uh, And I'd gone to Christmas and New Year's without drinking and I I was at Christmas and it was uh, was with my family and there was alcohol at home and I wanted to, you know, like I thought I wanted to have it. Uh, Picked up a beer and looked at it and I just was like, you know what, I'm just not this guy anymore. Um, And I haven't drunk, as I said, it's going to be three years in August this
0: year. Uh, Do you miss it?
1: No, not at all. Um... You know, it's funny. Uh, I had a, a, an event a few weeks ago where uh, I was with some mates of mine who were drinking whiskey. And I remember that I could smell the whiskey from, you know, and I was like, oh, that's a really, really beautiful smell. Um, um, but no, I don't, no, not at all. I just, um, as I said, it, it's it's part of, 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 of my life that um, it's, it's dead, I think. That Darlington died yeah. about maybe four and a half years ago.
0: Yeah, to ha- a lot of not very nice things happened to you though before you realised that. Is that, is that. is that correct?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, there was one. There was an article that was written on a um, web newspaper where they said that I was uh, doing drugs and all kinds of things. Oh. Um, drugs. You know, like 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 most kids, like most young guys, I experimented. I smoked a little marijuana and took some ecstasy, went raving, that kind of stuff. Uh, but this was like literally in my early uh, late teens, early twenties. I, I had some experiences within my own family with, uh, around issues with drug abuse. So I was absolutely terrified of drugs um, very early in my life. But I also come in from a family where we drink socially as a group and so alcohol was a lot more acceptable and I think alcohol became my way of dealing with uh, issues that I couldn't, uh, didn't, couldn't find ways to deal with um, and, I, and I used to drink
0: to actually deal with those issues. And, of course, you had a very good friend in the late and one of the finest cricketers who just never reached his potential, sadly, because he was taken at a very young age. But you also, I would imagine, would have dealt quite extensively with Trevor Madondo.
1: Oh, yeah, no, we were
0: really, really good friends and we were drinking mates. (laughs) Yeah. So,
1: yeah, we were... So
0: that's the thing now. Is there, in your opinion, I'm sure there is, but I'm going to ask you anyway, what is your... What is the difference between a friend and a drinking friend?
1: Um, Like, so, for me, a a friend 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 is somebody who like the, the, the key with friendship is they know they're part of your life okay yeah. um so for me trevor was that because trevor came to my home he he could visit my home when i wasn't there do you know what i mean yeah. trevor knew my mother my family personally he knew my father personally um he knew my girlfriends and and that sort of stuff as well and, and and the other thing about it is we had shared experiences a lot, a lot of shared experiences Uh, both within mostly within cricket but away from cricket as well Um, and so and I think the other thing about it is that uh, would my life be better if Trevor was around around now I think I'd undoubtedly say yes you know what I mean Um, and so yeah that's why I'd I'd call him one of my you know the best better friends that I've ever had
0: such an incredibly natural talent, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. Yes.
1: Well, oh, I, I don't know about natural talent. Right. Okay. Because uh, Lofaria and Falcon, and then uh, infrastructure around you, uh, is not quite natural talent. Because there was some really, really uh, smart cricket people ar- around Trevor in his formative years. So uh, there was a lot of important work done by some very, very good cricket minds in the run-up to. Us guys seeing the adult uh, cricketer Trevor uh, playing for Zimbabwe. So, like guys like Paul Campbell, mm. (laughs) it's not natural talent if you've been. All right, okay, I
0: I hear what you're saying. All right, and and that is a very valid point that you make. I would like to suggest to you though that you could have all the structures the gyms the 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 best cricketing facilities or whatever sport you play but we're talking cricket so the best nets the best cricket equipment the best coaches but if you choose to not necessarily or to half-heartedly commit to cricket all of the the that very solid structure that you spoke of the bull flowers the Paul Campbell's uh, or whoever else we've had that have that have been very influential and instrumental in establishing cricket and helping players progress. If you do not commit fully, those people are only going to be able to get you to a certain point, surely.
1: Oh, like, like I am, I think the poster child for those, for wasted talent. Uh, I think I, to my first class career, 450s at an average of about 19. Mm. And uh, I can't remember how many wickets, but it's around an average of about 35 with the ball. Um, and I think I had more talent than those figures suggest, okay, but what i didn 't do is i didn 't do the quality of work that the talent I had actually required to be to to produce slightly better um, first class uh, record than that um and i think and i and 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 this is uh, I grew up in a i played cricket where we had really really wonderful facilities for club cricket um great um nets at, say for example country club that were open to anybody who wanted to use them um, and then also great nets at uh harai sports club that were usually open to anyone who wanted to use them unless the national team or one or one of the provincial teams was using those nets so um as i said it, it it's it's not a guarantee of success as i think you that's what you you are driving yeah, towards yeah yes. it's not a guarantee of success if you don't have those if you have all this uh, world-class infrastructure
0: I mean because we've heard of cricketers who, who have come up through the ranks with very little but just through incredibly hard work and yes i understand that eventually someone like a makai antini. antini really had it very very hard as as a kid growing up and as much as i understand that eventually he was spotted and was was given the uh, uh, appropriate um, backing and assistance that he needed to become such an incredibly good test bowler but again it was still up to him who put all, all the hard work in. You know, you look at Shane Warne and Adam Gilchrist, so many players around the world who you can talk about. It's one thing being given the love and care and, and everything that you need, at times even a rap on the knuckles, but it's another thing, it's up to you to convert the start that you've been given into a score of significance. Oh, of course, yes. Uh,
1: and, uh, and the other thing that we can't uh, ignore is the fact, I call it institutional infrastructure. Yeah. Like South Africa cricket, Cricket South Africa, I don't know what, they, what you call them, but they have this really deep institutional um, structure for cricket in South Africa. So, w- w- if, you, if that identifies you as a talent, there is a lot of support, uh, matches you can play, and um, financial assistance, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that exists for talented cricketers in South Africa. And so, uh, the the interesting thing is that they actually had a process that was, a, that was able to identify Makai Antini, who apparently was playing in the middle of nowhere, mm. like re, like a, in the periphery, away from the center of South African cricket. But they still had a process that was able to identify him and bring him into the, 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 the thing, give him the matches, the, and there was some training, there has to have been some coaching, and there has to have been some preparation, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, before he actually debuted for South Africa. Yes. You know, yeah. and I think that is the, the the key thing is, yes, there's a there's a there's a there's a premium. There, there is talent and there is uh, what you can do as the individual can do. But it's also useful if you have that infra- institutional infrastructure that will allow you oh, to come absolutely. and express that talent. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. I mean, And you make a good point. So I, I believe one is as important as the other um, because you do make a point because if that institution isn't there, then, you know, he, <laughs> more than likely players wouldn't have been discovered in the first place.
1: Yeah, and then and, and then do you remember the other thing that, you've, uh, that uh, we've also got to be aware of is I'm not certain, because I'm not 100% clear about this history, but I don't think that Makai Antini was an overnight success, like in the sense that he, they discovered him today and then he played for South Africa within a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then had those financial rewards that come with playing international cricket immediately, right? I'm sure that there was somebody who bought him a pair of cricket boots made sure that he showed up uh, could uh, be at practice consistently regularly and that he practiced the correct things at those uh, things and practiced in a manner that uh, maximized his his, his, his potential and made sure that he went through those stages before he was actually uh, selected for South Africa and then succeeded for South Africa. I don't think that it was an overnight. There's no such thing as overnight success. No, it doesn't no, no, exist. No,
0: no I, I think he was discovered as a teenager, and then obviously it, it, it progressed uh, from there. But it, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to have Mackay and Teen on the podcast? That would be. That
1: would be. Yeah, which is going to be a really, really cause Really, really, because he did a lot of coaching here as well. Yeah, He's, he um, um energetic, enthusiastic, lively, and you know, and it's just like one of those things, and passionate about the game.
0: I understand the players weren't overly keen on him, uh, not because of his personality, because it's very difficult to ignore such a larger-than-knife personality such as Makai Antini, but they did not like the fitness regime that he tried to uh, instill in in the Zimbabwean cricketers, who, let's be honest, aren't have never really been, not all of them have been super fit. There's been the exception with a couple of foot players, but generally speaking, their their fitness levels could could be better. And Makai Antini realized that, uh, tried to do something about it, and the players were not happy.
1: Yeah, now I've, I've I've heard about, uh, I, I'm forgetting his name, but I played with him a little bit at Southern Rocks, who's now the um, uh, analyst for the national team. Uh, I can see his face, but I can't remember his name. Right, okay. Okay, but he's, he played some club cricket in the same place that Makai played club cricket. And he was telling me about some of the... Uh, Fitness workouts that Makae would do in preparation for a test series would used to do these like three-hour like absolutely mental fitness uh, workouts in preparation for test matches and then those are the ones that as far as he's concerned and Probably correctly that those were what helped him produce the results he produced as an international career in his international career Um, and so it's natural that he had suggested like if you have a good thing Dean The first thing you're going to do is, as as I consider you, I am your friend, I hope. You'd say like, Darlington, I have this really, really good thing. Please come and see this good thing. If you do this good thing, it will work out for you brilliantly in your career. And so, um, uh, as I said, interestingly enough, um, this guy actually knows what it takes to succeed at uh, uh, international cricket. And then you have uh, players who haven't succeeded at international cricket questioning his methods. Um, I think the problem is not with Tini. No, not at
0: yeah. all. Absolutely not at all. I, I mean, Grant Flower, from a Zimbabwe perspective, was was a bit like that, wasn't
1: he? Uh, yeah, yeah, manically fit.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I, you know, I, and 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 what it did is, we had a uh, you know like like what I found. I think he's got. I can't remember. I think he's got six or eight Test hundreds. I can't remember. Six, six hundred. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think all of Grant's Test hundreds are really really big. He doesn't have hundred and one and get out. Mm. He, um, I remember watching the one... I think it was his... I can't remember if it was his first one, but I remember watching him get 201 against Pakistan.
0: That was his first. That yeah. Was his first. Um,
1: and I remember that he batted for a very long time. Okay? And he batted error-free for a very long time. Yeah. And I think it, that, the fact that he was, uh, as I said, manically fit c- probably contributed to his ability to, 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 bat, to, to bat for that long. And the thing that that innings did... It set up Zimbabwe's first test win. Okay? Yes. Um, and, and, and so for me, uh, as I said, it's, you have uh, if, if it worked for Grand Flower, being super fit worked for Grand Flower, it worked for Makai Antini. I remember watching Alan Donald take 8-4 at Harare Sports yep. Club. And then I saw him run after that, after that test match concluded, after bowling sort of 30 over, 35 overs to take eight, 8 in a test match, I saw Alan Donald run around the golf course at Harare Sports Club. The, at, after a test match, after having bowled in a test match. So if it was good enough for Aaron Donald, all right, um, and then some some kid from Zimbabwe says, no, he knows, he understands his cricket better than Makai Antini does.
0: I don't know. My gosh. Yeah, uh, and there was actually somebody, we don't have to say who that was, but there was actually somebody who did say that. Um, now, and that's a very interesting point that you make. Now, I, I once interviewed Grant Flower when he was here as Pakistan's batting coach in 2018 and we had a, a wonderful chat like you and I are doing and and he said look sometimes you're not blessed with the natural ability to be technically correct with the bat or to be a bowler who runs in and bowls at 150 k's an hour it's not in your make it's not in everybody's genes but one thing two things I beg your pardon two things that you that there are absolutely no excuses for is fielding and fitness and he said I'm looking at these group of players right now as we speak, Dup, because he always used to call me Dup. Mm. I'm looking at them on the field. I see no fitness and I see no real enthusiasm to try and improve their, their, their fielding.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, as I said, one of my favorite cricketers at the moment is Blessing Mizarabani. Okay? Yeah. He's not blessed with a great deal of talent as a batsman. Okay? But what you've seen every single time he, I've seen him play come into to bat, is the level of commitment he brings to that batting, yes. okay, and that for me is, is a sign that that is something really special, genuinely special, is the commitment he brings to the aspects of his game that aren't uh, his strengths, you know what I mean, and I think that it, it, it follows on from um, what, what Grant is saying, is that you can't, the, 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 those are the, the simplest aspects of cricket are probably going to be to be fit enough to play cricket and to field well enough. Well, to feel, you know, and I think that is, uh, we saw a couple of really key chances drop through the, 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 the inning, the series. Yes. Um, and um, it, it's difficult to tell if those things might have actually turned that series. Zimbabwe fielders drop chances. If those chances would have turned that series um, Zimbabwe's way, because it was in the, particularly those, the drop catches I'm talking about were in the first one day international. You know what I mean? And it's a question of what if and uh, maybe and whatnot. But it's just one of those mm. things that you, yeah. you have to be aware of. And the other thing that I think uh, was a core fact, key factor in a lot of Zimbabwe's successes uh, in the time when guys like Andy Flower and Grant were playing is how good they were as a fielding unit. Yeah. They, were, they, they, were, they weren't far off. I mean, South Africa was the best fielding unit in the world at the time, I think. I don't think that Zimbabwe was very far off from South Africa.
0: Well, Steve Waugh was actually quoted in an article, and I wish we could find... Well, on the internet, you, you probably can, where he said that um, as a collective fielding unit, he felt that Zimbabwe were the best, and he said something on the lines of South Africa have Jonty Rhodes and Herschel Gibbs, we have Ricky Ponting and and Andrew Simons and a couple of other players, but collectively, Zimbabwe don't have a Jonty they don't have a, a, a Ricky Ponting or a Herschel Gibbs, you know, And they don't, but, but, but as, as a fielding side, man for man... They are the best in the business, um, which was a, a very interesting statistic and interesting that he said. But I, w- I want to talk now about intensity and intensity levels because we were talking about Innocent Kaya, and and I was rather disappointed in the manner in which he got out. Uh, so he got his debut, or not his debut? He got his maiden fifty in in the second One Day International. Sixty-three played well enough. Did not play a very good shot to get out after doing all the hard work. Now, I personally feel that stems back to domestic cricket. I feel that that's, uh, at domestic level, he probably would have got away with that. Or, again, he, he would have got out. But then you look at um, Zadran, the Afghanistan opening batsman, Ibrahim. 121 not out. Like Innocent Kahir, he had not scored a 50 or 100 yet. But he got to his maiden 50. And he converted that 50 into a very, very good and not only match-winning, but series-clinching. 121 not out
1: okay like so for me i think i i view it as a as a mental issue because what zadran did is he got to 50 okay and obviously in there he, you know, he stopped and did an assessment and said to himself right i've done what's good for me like getting to fifth, your first uh, international 50 is, is good for you as in the, as the individual cricketer okay because what you've done then is basically confirmed that you're good enough to be playing at that level Okay, especially if you do it that early in your career. And then, um, what does my team now require of me? And how must I play for me to do what my team needs me to, to, to you know, the best for my team? And, and, and he figured it out. And then he was able to focus his mind on playing in that manner until that uh, goal was achieved. Okay, and so for me, it comes down to, it's, there's, there's a concept that we hear a lot called mental toughness. So, what mental toughness to me is is the ability to do what needs to be done when there are reasons why you shouldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? And remember, when I say reasons, I'm not saying valid reasons. I'm talking about reasons because it's easier to just get out. To to, to, you know, it's it's easier to just play a bad shot than to bat for 50 or 60 overs. To bat for the full 50 overs. 50 overs. You know what I mean. Yeah. It's it's more fun to just attack, you know, to, to attack bowlers if it when it comes off, mm. isn't it? Yes. It's a lot less fun to actually knuckle down and grind out mm. and bat at uh, a strike rate of 50 for 50 uh, overs. It's a lot less fun in terms of cricket.
0: Now you did mention as well in our previous conversation, in our let's call it the dress rehearsal, shall we, yeah. uh, <laughs> that. Um, you mentioned that at the time, Innocent Kahier was batting with Sikanda Raza, who is a real live wire. But this is what I want to talk about is intense. Apparently, Raza is quite intense to bat with. Uh, explain a bit more. Could that possibly have unsettled Innocent Kahier, maybe?
1: Uh, you see, because, yeah, I, I think that, because uh, what I've, uh, I've seen of, of him is he's very, very motivated, driven, really, really wants to succeed. And he hypes himself up to do that, you know, to play well. That's Raza. Yeah, that's Raza. Okay. And then I find that innocent Kai here is sort of very sort of laid back, chilled, kind of quiet guy, you know. Um, and he has a very different approach to his batting from Sikanda Raza. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so what works for him, I think, is his an un- almost unflappability, really unemotional, Re- appears not to be bothered by what the, the the context of the game. And I think that's what seems to work for him. And then I th- and then I noticed that as soon as Raza walked in. Two, not even the two overs us were gone and he, he played his uncharacteristic shot. He'd not played a shot like that throughout the series.
0: Now, have you ever had an experience of batting with somebody who did that to you?
1: Um, I, I went on an uh, A-side tour with uh, um, Bundu Walla uh. and this was just before he got selected to play his first test match. Right, um, And we went to Namibia and uh, I was uh, picked as an all-rounder for that tour. And um Bundu got a double hundred, got two hundred and seventy odd, but I think I got to we ended up batting with him when he was at about a hundred and seventy or so. Uh would faced about five or six balls and then he hits one to to a cow corner and he immediately calls two. Okay. Oh so, so a i was, Yeah and he calls two. So I was just like, you know what, this is a guy's on hundred and seventy, this is a guy who's played like so many matches for Savalby, da da da. I've just gone to the bat the striker's end turned and sprinted down the wicket and then as I'm halfway down the wicket I see him looking at me like saying like, you know, where are you, where are you going and I just immediately assumed that he'd called two and he knew what he was doing so I turned didn't even bother to look at the fielding and uh, ran myself out. So, uh, you know, it's just like one of those things that you just, do. these are little mental tricks that you, you, are important for you to learn quite early in your career that you uh, Trust but verify I think is the the concept yeah, is yeah. that yes he's, a, he's he's been around uh, he understands the game a little bit more than I do because he's had some experience but when you've you know the basics of cricket says tap down at the end run as quickly as you can get your bat across ground your bat on the uh, across the line look up see where the fielders are and if there's two run back as hard as you can and get safely to yeah. the other end yeah. and this is like uh, this is like grade one grade three cricket right um, yeah. And um, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't use the, the the skills that I'd been taught as a young cricketer.
0: So um, we're going to be wrapping up shortly, but I just want to talk a bit about the upcoming uh, T20s. So, uh, um, interesting to see that Tadeo Nashemarumani has is back in the side. They obviously feel uh, the think tank of Zimbabwe cricket feel that they will be hoping that he'll be able to try and get Zimbabwe off to a very positive start because Zimbabwe have been a little bit. I suppose sluggish at the top one. They've lost wickets in the one-day series. They, they'd lost very early wickets on, on all the occasions, but there's been no impetus. So obviously they're looking, hopefully, for Marumani to try and give the innings a little bit of impetus. Um, you've played against him on a couple of occasions at league level.
1: Yeah, I have. I, I, like for me, I see some technical issues that I think the Afghan quicks are going to can exploit. Uh, I've seen a lot of improvement in his cricket. I think he's uh, he played very well in the Pro50 competition and in the T20 competition, but as I said, Liz, uh, he's got some uh, issues around off stump. Uh, he tends to go through the leg side to balls that are on or just outside off stump, and that can create some problems for him. Uh, doesn't really go down the ground uh, when a ball's around off stump, and I think that's the safest uh, yeah. option. Um, but again, I think it's uh, it's it's just an attempt to try and be positive and try and take the game to Afghanistan rather, just, rather than just like sitting back and letting Afghanistan just dictate how this series progresses.
0: One thing that's going to be interesting to see is if Afghanistan do open with spin, and I feel very certain they will, regardless of the conditions at, at Harare Sports Club, I think Afghanistan will play to their strengths, not to the conditions. And I think they have played Zimbabwe enough to know that Zimbabwe batters are very vulnerable against SPIN. It'll be very interesting to see, should Afghanistan open with SPIN, um, how the batters are going to try and negotiate and negate that.
1: Yeah, and, and, and for me, the, the tendency that I've seen is guys go too hard too early. Okay. I, I think That's for me. That's my own, my own personal assessment i think there is even though there are only 20 overs to make runs in and you're looking to make around around 170 180 at a minimum usually i think there's still enough time for you to have a look get a feel for what the wicket is actually doing okay because we make assessments before we we, we get onto the wicket but you know you just absolutely need to trust but verify and just make sure that uh, the wicket is playing as you suspect it is before you start to attempt any attempt to play any big shots. Um, yeah. you know, I, and, 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 and again, I've seen some, I've watched a few innings is played by this, the great players of T20 cricket. Um, we'll say uh, Chris Gale, um, David Miller recently, um, for me, Rohit Sharma. They seldom get a go after the bowling from ball one. Okay, because it requires a great deal of talent to be able to consistently do that. And very few guys have that level of talent. So most guys need to actually have a look at a couple of deliveries and confirm that the wicket is playing the way that they suspect and that the shots that they believe are on are actually on before they play those shots. So I think um, the key thing is to just not lose uh, wickets in the, uh, too early. And I think the thing to the way to do that is uh, a look at a couple of
0: balls. So it was 3-0 in the one-day internationals. That went pretty much as expected, unfortunately, from a Zimbabwean perspective. Afghanistan, obviously, will be very happy with those 30 points that they would have collected for the, uh, the Super League. Do you see it going 3-0 again in, in favour of Afghanistan, given the fact that this really actually is their, their forte, T20 cricket? Uh, you know, the, the,
1: the, 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 there's a way Wesley Madureira has been playing for me that is uh, a, a mental click away from playing great really really fantastic cricket and it's my hope that he makes that adjustment in this in this t20 series we saw him get 250s against namibia in that series um and I, you know the, the interesting thing about t20 is that one one batter okay as long as there's no disasters on the other end one batter can actually win you a T20 match and often a T20 series. So I think uh, Wesley Madevere could be, for me, is the player to watch for this series. And then uh, the other thing that I've seen that it could be a really, really big difference is we've seen a slightly more aggressive and engaged version of Blessing Mzarabani in that third One Day International. And I think if that guy turns up today, tomorrow and then on Tuesday, I think Zimbabwe are always competitive if your best bowler is 100% yeah, engaged that's that's um, and then the other thing is this is that Tendai Chatara's is playing some very very good, good, good cricket. Um, Craig Irvin is for me hitting the ball really really well. He's just not converted that into runs and then two really underrated cricketers for me. Uh, no one talks of Sikanda Raza as the star batter for Zimbabwe but I think that's what he actually is. I think he's our best batter, like uh, for the Zimbabwe national team. Yeah. Uh, but no one speaks of him as that, as and, and that's what he actually is. Really, th- for me, he's extremely underrated. And then the other really underrated cricketer is Ryan Bill. And it's just a matter of time that before he actually starts to consistently show that he is as good as I believe he he actually is. So I think this could go to Afghanistan, but I th- I don't think it's going to be a the demolition that the 50 overs cricket was. I think it's going to be closer and it's going to be 2-1. Two, 2-1. One.
0: Two, one. That's fantastic. Well, Darlington, thank you very, very much indeed for your time. Uh, you've got to gear up. Well, you're ready on your commentary kit, but you are off to the ground very shortly to go and do a bit of commentary, so thank you very much indeed for taking some time out and um, wishing you all the very best with everything that you have planned for the future.
1: Thank you so much, Dean. Uh, It's always a
0: pleasure to be, to spend time with you, actually.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful. uh, Yeah, it's a good thing.
0: Uh, If you want to get involved and perhaps maybe feel that you would like to sponsor the Dean at Stumps podcast, it would be a wonderful thing. And uh, all you do is you reach out to my Twitter handle, which is Dean, um, well, let me try and remember my, it is uh, at Dean underscore Plessis. And uh, you can reach me on that uh, Twitter handle at Dean underscore Plessis and uh, it'll be great to hear from you. Until next time, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Okay. You've been listening to DNet
1: Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast.